evening folks take two for Sunday night it's a bit of a marathon um, so I just want to thank people who tuned in earlier this is sort of a follow-up about um, uh, this uh, essentially situation with Danny Katz and her telegram chat uh, it was like a critique about, uh, I guess, my critique of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s uh, uh, the, the video that I made about his candidacy and um, essentially just sort of touching on someone had shared with me earlier today, uh, this gentleman here, uh, his name is Dennis Humble, and he was in the, the, the Telegram, uh, and he had this video, and, and afterwards, uh, the, the host of the, uh, the Telegram space, Danny Katz, someone I have, I know, um, was saying that she she you know agrees with him and she she's feeling into market anarchy and how to implement it, and she agrees wholeheartedly about Allison, which is me, um, which often has me wonder if the dark side is working through her both to generate fear and help materialize their shenanigans. Love the video, thanks for that. Now, and I hadn't seen the video at that point. I only had gotten uh, the screenshot of me initially, like her sharing my RFK Jr critique and um, and then this image. Uh, but I had noticed previously that this gentleman, uh, his identifier in the space was this sigil. Um, and uh, you know it was quite un interesting. I mean, I, I, I can identify at least as what the type of thing it was, but I didn't know what the meaning behind it was. And I know a lot of people in the space are much better at the esoterics than I am. So um, I decided this was going to be just sort of my first jump back into things, both to address this and if you listen to my previous previous video, there was a lot of information about um, sort of chaos magic and financial astrology and connections to this foundation for the study of cycles, which was built on uh, Edward Dewey's work from the 1940s. Um, and I feel like at some point it was important for me to get back to that. So maybe this was just the universe's way to be like, hey, <laughs> uh, you know, put this on your, your, your the front burner now. Um, it's time. Uh, but since then, so I did have uh, quite a lot of people chimed in and knew what it was. So it is this uh, Solomon seal, a lesser, let's see, the secret seal of Solomon. So um, I was looking for different parts. Like I thought I was trying to pull out the little bits and pieces, but it wasn't like he didn't make a custom seal. He literally lifted this seal. It's the same one that you can see in the video. Um, and it, it, is, it says a variant form on the, quote, secret seal of Solomon, as seen in the 17th century grimoire, the lesser key of Solomon. Um, so, yeah, so we have an identification there. So he's, he's not original in his sigil. He didn't make one up himself. He, he's literally used this one. Um, and so I think it's worthwhile at this point just to... Um, touch on someone had shared with me this article what is the goetia a grimoire in the lesser key of solomon and uh you know it's it's a an article i don't know that we need to read the whole thing but it's essentially it starts off by what is the goetia by far the most widely used phone book of demons is the goetia and and then it goes on below to say a history of the goetia a grimoire or spell book the Lesser Key of Solomon is a classic example. These mysterious books include spells, lore, and other bits of ancient wisdom. The Oxford University Press blog talks about how people have been making grimoires for a long time and how the Abrahamic religions of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity have all been influenced by this practice. Even though Solomon and his ancient kingdom have left behind almost little archaeological evidence, an extensive magical tradition has sprung up in their honor. It is said that Solomon penned several of the still existing grimoires 
In ancient origins, there were specific references to the magical treatise of Solomon and the key of Solomon. Uh, the Ars Goetia, sometimes known as the Goetia, is the first and most well-known book of the Lesser Key of Solomon. In Delirium Realm, we learn that the original meaning of the phrase was rich, witchcraft, which comes from Greek. Uh, the 1904 edition of the Lesser Key of Solomon by Aleister Crowley and Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers, which is distributed by retailers like Barnes & Noble, contains only one book. Details provided on demons, which are called primary spirits in this work. This edition became famous because it had demon sigils that Crowley had studied that were not in other editions. The Ars Goetia provides the comprehensive, comprehensive instructions on how to summon demons, including rituals and chants. Uh, prolonged speeches are used not just to summon and direct a demon, but also to condemn one that refuses to comply. The demons themselves are also given an extensive explanation and are introduced alongside their respective magical seals. The description goes into detail not just about their talents and capabilities, but about their physical characteristics and even words they use in conversation. So, um, so yeah, so that's a little bit intense, right? This guy who uh, is, you know, giving a critique of my critique, um, you know, is that's how he represents himself uh, is through this and um, and then the the hostess of the telegram channel is like yeah I love this video and I agree about Allison and like yeah probably some dark things are channeling through her to you know make these shenanigans happen um, and as I, I laid out before uh, in my previous talk tonight uh, Mr. Uh, Humble who is the gentleman who did the video here um, he he's actually a you know the the mat the sigil that matches the the sigil on his on the, this humble futures Twitter page and his LinkedIn this LinkedIn page is that he's an options trader he's a futures trader a short trader so um, and he trades in Bitcoin so he's connected with the larger system and again many people just run it as crypto but I think it's um, uh, you know, it's very much about blockchain. It's very much about smart contracts and what comes next energetically. Um, and so I, I was able to get uh, my hands on the video uh, about an hour ago. It's seven minutes long and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll show that in just a second. But I, I think before I get started, um, you know, my, my friend Cliff, he's always saying, um, what, what are you listening to? Like, what, what are people listening to that influences their thinking about the world? And there's a lot of different stories um, that, of things that people listen to. Um, you know, and I would say it's, it's um, it seems like another um, misunderstanding of me to frame me as someone who is being used by dark forces um, because that's not me uh, that's as someone who would say that as someone who actually doesn't know my heart and and it actually isn't paying very close attention to my actions in the world um, I'm intense I, I am very detailed uh, as this gentleman says later he thinks that that leads to bad decision making um, on my end and but I, I, I'm coming into this, I'm looking at the hard things because I believe in life. Like, I believe in the beauty of life. Um, I can be very frustrated. I, can, this, I find having to be here again tonight frustrating. I find the situation with Celia Farber frustrating. Um, it's, it's, you know, the 
people around me who are interested in talking about Web3 and smart contracts and what it means for not just fi speculative financial trading on human lives, but also on putting us into an ant computer and using us for some purpose against our wills and forced evolutionary processes that can, you know, towards some sort of paranormal activity. Like these are all pretty intense things, but I feel like I want to look at it so we can help us understand it and make a better plan, right? But my, my assessment is that you actually have to understand the landscape before you can make a plan because the people who are jerking everybody around, um, it's always problem, reaction, solution, problem, reaction, solution. And they're going to drive you into the, the direction that they want. So it, the, the better understanding of the terrain you have, the more effectively you'll be able to sidestep things, okay? Um, so that's why I look, but I don't look with a dark heart. And I look because as much as, you know, I could see the bewilderment of people on like this, the, the truth barrier substack, right? I, I could see people who were put in a position, not because they're bad people or they made bad choices, but they literally became enchanted by these digital platforms, right? And, and I think in some ways, when I hear what this gentleman is saying, I have a hard time thinking, you know, th this man is somebody's son, maybe he's somebody's uncle, maybe somebody's dad, you know, he has humanity, right? But the place that he's speaking from, like, I don't think it's actually, I think something is actually, he is tapped in by holding this crypto, holding these energetic things into something. He's in a very different story. And I mean, I'm, I'm open, I'll let him speak for himself about what he's listening to. But I just wanna emphasize in a very serious way that this is like to frame me as listening to something dark and making bad things happen because they have that inverted, right? This is someone who's li listening to a very dark story and it's telling him that life is a cancer and that with few exemptions, everybody should be gotten rid of. And, um, you know, and he talks a lot about sovereignty. Um, in this, he, t he says that most people don't wanna make decisions and don't want to be in charge. He's a rare exception, right? Because he has his his business sense or whatever. But most people um, are less than. It's it's a very derogatory approach to to life itself, and you know I want to feel like that's not actually in his heart. I, I I think that that it feels like that is maybe something that's coming through that is not really who he is, you know, as somebody's son, you know, as as a human in the world as. I can't believe that people would feel that way about their fellow human beings. Like I really would like petition for people's better nature. Um, and I, and I, I say this because the people that he's dismissing, like when I got into to the work that I do, it was because I saw a wrong in my city. It, it wasn't an affront to me personally because when they closed the schools in Philadelphia, my child was in a magnet school, right? And it was like the school that I, they wouldn't do anything to, but they did it to everybody. They did it to 23 other people's schools, right? And I could see that harm. And so when I was trying to figure it out, it, it wasn't from a place that like I wanted good for me or my family, but just on a principal position, it wasn't right for humanity. Like it wasn't right. It wasn't fair. It was people dominating other people. And I wanted to figure out what was going on. And it got so big, right? Um, 
this gentleman, if you, if you listen to him, it feels like he's speaking from a place of, I just want to take care of me and make the best decision for me. And I am above the others, right? The others are less than. And I don't think we want to come at it that way. Because ultimately, the ant computer, he thinks that he's going to like wiggle through, like he has the terrain that he's going to be okay, he's going to maintain his sovereignty, he's going to do what he wants in the space. And, and, you know, to what, you know, to hell with everybody else. And I I think he's mistaken, because either um, I, I, I think everyone is going to be con- contained within these energetic systems. You're not going to be outside of Web3. Maybe you can think that you can win at Web3, win at the game, but I, I, you're not outside of it. You're, you're, and, and, you know, in, in this, this comment that uh, Danny made uh, about feeling into market anarchy, um, which I don't know when I listen to him, it doesn't really feel like he's talking about market anarchy, he's talking about sovereignty and most people being stupid and terrible. Um, it, it didn't seem to be a whole lot about markets other than he was an entrepreneur. But you know what I wanna emphasize is, you know I've done all of this research, you can see this big map, you know, and this is on token engineering. And uh, this, you know, I got into doing this map because uh, one of the key people in this space, his name is Michael Zargam. You can see him right here. And Michael Zargam uh, got his PhD in uh, engineering from the University of Pennsylvania uh, Engineering School. And he did work at the GRASP lab. And um, that's the robotics lab where they fly around their drone swarm robotics. And I would drive by there on my way to work, right? And and his his Michael Zargam's work was funded by the US Army and Navy in complex emergent systems. And he's he's working in cybernetics and complex socio-technical systems and cyber physical systems and this idea of using algorithms to make policy and um, creating DAOs, creating decentralized autonomous organizations. And so when when I, I play the video and when I listen to what Mr. Humble says, and you know, honestly that the name is kind of a bit of an oxymoron, um, he 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 speaks to this idea that people don't want to decide and they're incapable of deciding for themselves with few exceptions. And it, it Given that he is in uh, securities trading, in uh, futures trading, short selling, uh, and including Bitcoin, I, I have to believe, and he's based in Austin where a lot of this is happening. Um, you know, again, I've, I've spoken about this in the last talk, but about blockchain governance and impact finance and putting homeless people on blockchain and you know, bringing ed tech into the schools and setting up what works government. Um, I think if he's connected in the finance industry, he would be aware at least of some of these issues. And so this idea that he's going to say he can be sovereign or outside, but most other people should have all the decisions made for them, that's token engineering. That's what this map is. That that's This map is about cybernetics and managing people through smart contracts and uh, you know crowdsourced grants and virtual currencies and digital identities, um, what he's what he's saying here, what I'm hearing him say is most people don't deserve to have the freedom of choice, but they're they're much better suited to live in the ant computer and to be guided by engineered tokens. And that he would he doesn't make any differentiation. I mean, and I, I don't I think everyone should be free to choose their own route. But 
what we're talking about, like my friend Lynn, who is an amazing advocate for children and her colleagues, they're going back to Austin on Tuesday and Wednesday. They've been there all month. Like every like every week they go for two days and till two in the morning testifying to protect children from being put in the ant computer. Because we know, and they don't have an informed decision. And so for someone to to sit in their car in their Texas hat, he has a hat with a big Texas patch, and and drive, just drive around, right? At least with my critique, I did the research, I made the maps, I pulled together the resources, and I sat down at my kitchen table for three hours to lay it all out, right? I mean, the, the RFK Junior part was only an hour, but the, the whole comp was, an, was three hours worth of time. And there was additional time putting the, <coughs> the resources together and there were years of time for me to build up enough of a base of knowledge to be able to offer a lens that I think is useful for people. So I think this is where we're at now in this pop culture is that like anybody can be an expert, right? Anyone can hop in their car and drive around and talk to their phone and and, and spout off their point of view as if it's all equivalent, right? As if you can come in and sort of say that the world is a nihilistic situation and a cancer and... <coughs> And, and and just get away with it, right? Like you don't have any documentation of that. Like it's just your opinion. And and it, it's not even, I mean, it's kind of a disrespect. It, his comments literally were not about my critique of RFK Jr. Again, it seems very few people are capable of having an authentic critique. He All he wanted to say was, oh, I was very thorough and I'm very detail-oriented, but that makes me a bad decision maker and because I'm not seeing the opportunities, right? And, and these are the opportunities that he's talking about because he probably very well knows all of the military financial tech that's going into all of this, right? All of the cybernetics. We're supposed to imagine these are opportunities, but when you hear him talk... The opportunities aren't, it, they're, they're opportunities for him and people like him to make money on people. They're not opportunities for children. My friend Lynn, who's going in and, and speaking out against the takeover of the Houston public schools, she's not doing it for selfish reasons. She's doing it because she wants to make sure that kids get to have a chance, that they're not put into the internet of impact, Right. And so if, if people are not prepared to understand what I'm talking about and they think that they can just spout off whatever they want and just proclaim the end of the world and proclaim that, that somehow there's going to be a choice few number of people who are going to be set aside, that's not a good story to be listening to. Like I don't think that that is a help, 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 healthy story. That's not a healthy story for the earth. That there's no healing in that. There's no, there's no good way out of that. And I look at it because I want to find my way out of the labyrinth. I want to pick it up and look at it from all sides and find the way out. So that's why I look. That's why I'm being careful about making whatever, you know, decisions. I'm not making rash decisions. I'm making very careful analysis of the landscape and sharing it with other people because guess what? I don't know all the things. I know some of the things. I know the things that I can see from my corner of the world. And, and I, I have a small group of friends who also see things and we share and we compare notes. 
but I can't presume to know all of the things. And so to, to imagine that like I'm not offering you some solution or I'm not like finding the way out for you makes me channeling dark energies to manifest the, this. Like somehow I'm responsible for this by looking at it. I made it. I mean, I just, I'm sort of flabbergasted at the logic behind that. That be, because I can see it, that, that it wouldn't be real unless I was looking at it. I just find that really um, disingenuous. <sighs> okay, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and play this uh, clip. I'm going to stop here and there. Um, I, I will point out again that D uh, Danny Katz, um, this person who asked me to be on her podcast, I wanted to trade notes about the Santa Fe Institute, was saying that she loves the video, loves the video. So um, as we're listening to it, I would say, you know, again, this is probably reflective of both of their points of view. So I just finished the uh, Allison McDowell video, and man, she does some really good work. Very dense and very thick, but very thorough. She's super good uh, when it comes to like detailed information. Okay, so it, there really isn't beyond this initial comment anything of the substance of what I offered about RFK Jr. And again, it was an hour's worth of content, very specifically including information about uh, free market capitalism that RFK Jr. is promoting as opposed to the quote unquote crony capitalism and my analysis of how that intersects with uh, Vantage Point Capital's uh, investments in the energy grid and Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s uh, ongoing promotion of the creation of a national grid, but then the use of free market economics in uh, grid distribution. And, you know, one of the things I've talked about in, in, in the presentation was this idea of switch, S-W-Y-T-C-H, which had moved to Austin. And I forgot to talk about that in this, this last hour's video. But um, the people who were in Cambridge, Massachusetts, building digital identity, the uh, ID3, John Clippinger, and the Token Foundation, Token, Token Commons Foundation moved to Austin in 2015, and they moved, they renamed themselves Switch, S-W-Y-T-C-H, which is uh, energy, uh, sustainable energy. And so why would you have the digital identity uh, switch over into uh sustainable energy that sorry the digital ID into sustainable I think it has very much to do with RFK Jr's speech that he gave in Houston in 2012 about every every person in every house becomes an energy entrepreneur right and so this is this free market economics that would would probably um, be like you know the market anarchy maybe that 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 they're talk like imagining but what I would say is that it's much more closely to the token engineering. Uh, this this is you know what is behind. This isn't market anarchy. This is total token engineering. So he's going to start off saying like, oh, she's really smart. She gives something dense. I'm not going to talk about any of it. I'm not actually going to critique anything of substance. I'm just going to move on into why you know you shouldn't listen to her. My personal opinion is that she is way heavy on the danger side and way light on the opportunity side okay so again i just want to i want to emphasize the opportunities are, this is the opportunity right block science the internet of impact um the rebirth of cybernetics, complex systems analysis. Uh, this is all being baked in with the token engineering, token engineering commons. Uh, this idea down here of consensus, 
uh, the Web3, the Ethereum Foundation, the smart contract layer, right? And so he, he would be... I think in the story that he's listening to, he's listening to the stories that are told by the securities trading industries, right? The people who would uh, create these markets in uh, quote unquote sustainable uh, natural capital and human capital futures. And, um, and yeah, they would be opportunities for people like this, right? People who imagine themselves at a layer outside and that the opportunities would be accessing the children, accessing vulnerable populations like the people with mental illness, uh, veterans, the, the unhoused people, the elderly as the investment opportunity, right? So when I speak to my concerns, um, these are very real concerns with very specific case use cases that are already in place. Uh, when he speaks about opportunities, it is from the point of view of uh, someone who is managing short-term investments for profit. And I believe that skews her perception of things quite a bit, yet at the same time, she is a master at digging up shit that I would never have known otherwise. See, and I guess, I, you know, he left a couple comments. I think Dennis is maybe a little bit shocked that I, I can also use my research skills in other areas, including to figure out what he's doing in this car and what he's actually up to. Although I do find that people who operate in extreme detail like that often are terrible decision makers <laughs> because they're buried in too much shit, too much detail and data. Anyway. So I would say uh, Dennis doesn't really have a good sense about my view, right? I'm, I'm not buried in the minutia when you see these maps. Like I can be close in, right, and look at all the things, but I actually have the broad view. I have many of these maps, and that's the thing about them is that you you get the detail, but my mind works so that I t I'm very diligent and disciplined about entering all of this information and all of these resources and sharing them freely with people, f freely, so that you can people can you know use all of the information that's in my head. I have these mind maps, but I can zoom out, and so I have many of these maps in Kumu and uh, when something comes up and I get a new piece of information, uh, these are all stories for me. All of these little subunits are stories for me that I can go back in and add to them and understand them, right, and get more information. So this idea that somehow I'm buried in the detail and I can't see the bigger picture is uh, very inaccurate. Uh, it's, it's an inaccurate take. Hey, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So he's not actually just, I want to make sure he's not actually talking about anything that I raised and none of the issues I raised, nothing of substance. And he's just moving on to his view. Now he wants to share his view. What I am making this video for is to ask one question. And it is this. Given the fact that we are debating and discussing and talking about the new way of human management, right? Because that's what this is all about changing the way humans are managed by the rulers so okay so it's very clear that he understands the the story right the story is managing humans so that is what michael zargam is working on he he is working on um uh, on that, right, the, the, the rebirth of cybernetic networks, algorithms as policy, <coughs> complex systems, you know, we've, I've, you know, 
talked before, and you know, Sebs has done research, this stuff on futarchy, uh, decentralized autonomous organizations and cybernetics. This idea that we will live in the outside in robot, right? And so on the one hand, he's talking about the rulers, but I think <coughs> what is more accurate is to say the future is ruled by uh, the Internet of Things sensors, right, according to your digital identity. So it will be decentralized, which is exactly what he's pushing through his, you know, Bitcoin investments. All of the decent, it's centralized decentralization, right? So on at the one level, you've got a lot of decentralization, uh, which is, you know, these neural networks, these uh, interconnected energy systems that are going back and forth. But then at the top, you know, if you if you go all the way up, it's going to be the bank for international settlements, right? And they're keeping the ultimate ledger. So they're the, the the, the top layer of the global brain, but but it's going to be coming in this decentralized way. But he is speaking specifically to managing people, right? What's what do you what does a person listening to that would allow them to speak about humanity in such a way, right? Like these are our brothers and sisters. These are our children. These are our parents. These are our friends. These are our coworkers. It, it just, it hurts my heart to hear the hardness there, right? This is just about managing people like a commodity, like an object. Um, so I think he's, he's listening to something that leads him to think that that is what life is. It's just about managing. It's not, it, this is not being said with compassion. Right. And... My question is this. Now, this doesn't pertain to everyone, right? And it really doesn't pertain to anybody who's watching this currently. But now, again, Dennis is imagining that no one else will hear this besides the people in that little channel, right? So he, people don't understand that like while they're in a wild gar walled garden of like a little Holland space, what, what you do in these spaces energetically matters. There's an energy that's created and nothing stays walled off in the internet. I, I think that there's this idea that somehow we're gonna be private and we're gonna go off and in the corner we're gonna huddle up and tell secrets about people and have, you know, particular, you know, information that other people won't know about, which is kind of what he's like, oh, all of us in here, we're good. We're on the good club. But for those other people, right, it's establishing, like it, establishing this wall, right? We're on the inside, those people are on the outside. And, and the reality is, is that even on the internet, the world is a really small place. So what I might suggest is that when you're, I'm not saying you can't critique people. Clearly, I have just offered a critique of Robert F. Kennedy's campaign. Now, but you need to do it from a place of, um, I think, a respectful position, right? This idea that you can go in and just sort of spout off and that that doesn't have any consequence, I think is inaccurate. It's inaccurate. But have the last three years not demonstrated that the human population on whole as a group, is completely incapable of managing itself. My opinion of that is 
Absolutely, it has. The human population, in my opinion, over the last three years, through these trials and challenges brought forth by whatever you want to call it, universe, whatever, have the human response to these challenges have proven to me that the human population is fucking garbage. Okay, so I just I just want to emphasize again that's a particular um, <laughs> that's a particular viewpoint. Now I I have to say I don't think um, if you carry that around with you, I think that's a hard thing to carry, right? I don't you know I have some empathy for someone who gets up in the morning every day and thinks that that is the world that they live in. Um, I will emphasize too that when he's saying that people can't manage themselves, I truly believe that what he's talking about is the decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, that you will that the world will be managed on smart contracts, right? And and maybe they will be gamed. You know, they'll be gamed to to encourage them to play, right? The consensus and the Ethereum and these wallets. Um, you know, and it's coming to Austin, right? Like I, you know, I, I've talked about uh, the Token Commons Foundation, and uh, it's right there, right? I mean, uh, two a year and a half ago, Lynn and Jason and I picketed or did an info picket at the Blockchain Summit at the University of Austin uh, Conference Center. So he he is in the milieu that he would know of this, right? And um, you know, and, and I will point out too this when I was making this map that uh, one of the uh, infrastructures with Web3 is this Moloch, right? And and we've talked a lot about some of, like, I mean, it comes up, this occult stuff, right? This this idea of, um, I guess Moloch had this thing about the rage quit exit for the DAO. Um, and, you know, they're connected with Ethereum, this Moloch. But it is it is esoteric and it is somewhat, I mean, channeling demonic things, honestly. Now, I don't hold crypto. Um, I'm, I'm glad I don't because I do think that it maintains sort of a, a powerful energetic hold on people. Um, but this dark view of humanity. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm not very disappointed and... Um, but I have hope. Like, I don't think that, that society is beyond redemption. And I think we do it for the children. And, and this thing isn't just coming after people, right? It's gonna, it's natural capital too. It's gonna tokenize every single thing on the planet and, and, and pull it into the smart contract layer. Um, so I'm not a nihilist, I'm hopeful. And I'm hopeful if I can see it clearly enough and if my heart is good enough and I'm accessible enough and I can find other people who can bring their skills and talents and their ability to draw and sing songs and do plays that we can tell it in a way that will make it so clear that this isn't the right path that we can find the way out, right? I'm not giving up because I don't know what the world looks like if you give up on the beauty of life. I just, I don't This idea that you're going to squeeze through the cracks and do for yourself until what? Till the end? 
because I don't think that the material stuff that we're living through right now is the end. I think a lot of this stuff is happening beyond the, the sensed material world. So what are the implications if you live your time in the material with this just very inwardly focused um, survival instinct in opposition and, and sort of callous disregard for everything else that's around you? I just, I just don't feel like that's a healthy way to be, you know? So, okay, I'm going to keep going. I know that is completely contrary to, you know, an empowerment mindset and all of the things that, you know, all of the things that uh, we try to immerse ourselves in and, and keep focused on. Yet at the same time, it's important to look back at on occasion and acknowledge the shadow, and I'm very good at that. And my perception is the human population is not capable of managing itself on whole. Now, there are those of us who are capable of managing ourselves. We are sovereign individuals. We typically are entrepreneurs and have our own businesses. Okay, so he's setting up the two groups, right? There's everyone else, and then there's the special people, right, who are going to be outside the system. And, and again, what does that mean for children? What does that mean for the elderly? What does that mean? I mean, this idea that I have the skills to navigate this thing, that I have insider information, I think it's... Anyway, I, I've... I've, I've I keep saying this, but I just, I, it's such a, it's a, such a self-focused view, right? That the view is centered on the self and, and in a total disregard for everyone outside the self. And, and that is, these are the people, the people who would trade on human futures, right? Uh, you know, today it's Bitcoin, uh, give it five years and it's going to be toddler futures and, you know, veterans in virtual reality, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy headsets, right? And it's going to be, you know, uh, single moms on Snap. And every all of that is going to be tokenized assets and all of that's going to be traded. And so he's saying he's an entrepreneur on the, like you might imagine, oh, well, maybe he owns a restaurant or maybe he owns, you know, a shop downtown. No, he's a trader. He's a futures trader. So he's saying, I'm going to know my way through this landscape because I know the futures trading business, right? Um, and I know my way around. And guess what? Not everybody can bet on everybody else's lives. If we had a world that everybody was just trading bets on everybody else's lives, like it wouldn't work. So it's a very small elite group of people who've chosen that, that path, that career, which is essentially legalized gambling, right? That's what he's an entrepreneur at, is, is essentially legalized gambling. Um, and again, that's a very different story than the story that I'm living in etc 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 and we don't and we're the ones who don't want universal basic income so every move can be uh, can be dictated now i would say most people don't want universal basic income i think the the implication here is that most people do want that well i think most people would understand that a thousand dollars a month for a family to live is impossible right? Like no family is going to survive in Philadelphia on $12,000 a year. It's not happening, right? And so then you're going to be selling your data like plasma and you're going to be doing, you know, gig work and building the extended reality. So I think that this is a false framing that somehow everybody else wants to sit back and not have agency in their life and be on a universal basic income. And it's the uh, 
heroic entrepreneur uh, futures traders that are going to be the ones to save the day. And they, because they're so brave and so sovereign that they should get special treatment, right? Like that's what I'm hearing out of this thing. And controlled and all of the things, but the majority of humans don't want to make decisions for themselves. They want to be told what to do. Why? Because it removes the uncertainty. It removes the responsibility so they don't have to make a mistake. If Okay, so I would say here that when he's talking about uncertainty, I think what's really behind this, and you know, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of looking into uh, Jeffrey Yass and the Susquehanna International Group, which is based just outside of Philly and Balakinwood. These large, so he's small time, right? He's a small trader, right? Um, but there are these giant conglomerates, right? These giant portfolios that are going to be connected into the ESG metrics and the AI. And so this idea of uncertainty, he's projecting it onto the people that people don't want uncertainty, that people don't want agency, when in reality, it is the, the AI management systems that want to reduce uncertainty. They want to reduce uncertainty out of the equation through their token engineerings and their cybernetics to, um, to manage people as assets, as tokenized assets to, uh, to control. And it's not just for profit. Again, I just I want to emphasize that I do think we need to always keep front and center that this idea is towards a global hive mind, uh, towards a, a convergence, towards this noosphere, this omega point. And I, I think it does relate to, I don't know exactly how it's all going to work, but it seems like very much the complexity is about like biohybrid computing, right? So he is setting up a false narrative here by like driving around in his nice car and saying nobody else wants to make decisions except the few people. Now, I would agree that over the past three years, people have been traumatized with high level military intelligence and who knows what other possible frequency weapons. But even if without that, simply very, very nuanced and sophisticated understandings of uh, sociology, anthropology, how we work together, how we can use that. I, I talked about that in, in my video as well, like the persuasion techniques, and it's all happening in these digital echo chambers online. Very sophisticated. This idea that somehow people who don't even know what game they're in, remember Kevin Werbach, like be the game designer, make the rules. They don't even know they're in a game. Like literally I had someone say, oh, Substack's a game. I'm like, no, it's a game. Game mechanics are built into all of this. Like, and I admit, like I'm on the YouTube thing. So yeah, game mechanics are built into this as well, but I know it, right? They're in a game that they don't understand and they've been enchanted, mesmerized. Um, now, yeah, we can be disappointed in people who are caught up in all of that, but we can also have compassion, right? We also don't have to write people off and say, oh, like we just clear the slate. Those people are done for, right? Because that's not a human thing to do. I mean, essentially what I keep feeling like what's coming out of his mouth is something that a machine would say. Like this is something that a machine would say, not that a human would say. And and I'm not calling him not human, but I'm saying like this this framing is, I think that, that whatever he's in, so he's in his own story, right? He's been pulled into a storyline that says, uh, you know, sovereign entrepreneur uh, traders who are calculated in the markets can have a hierarchical place above everyone else. And then his identity is built into that. And and that's because of how he's been trained up uh, in, in, I think, you know, in a gambling culture, which in and of itself has its own sort of, you know, 
you know, gambling culture is a bit pathological, right? I mean, we can say it's all legal and great, but like there is a pathology to that approach. And I, I saw that very clearly when I was looking at Jeff Gass. So he he is coming and, uh, you know, and I have compassion for him too, but he's he is trapped in a certain narrative that essentially means that everyone else outside of his bubble uh, is uh, dehumanized, like fully dehumanized. And and as, as difficult as I've been like navigating this stuff with Celia, like I don't want to dehumanize them. I actually want to show up and bring, like remind them that they're human, like try to snap them out of it. It might not work, but you know, we, we lost so many people to the, the lockdowns who were like following the main narrative. And now most of the quote unquote resistance is also easily locked in in a polar opposite way in the same way, but they are also trapped in their own minds, in their own stories that are really frozen. They're like frozen in place and they're just being moved like pawns. Um, not because they don't want to have agency, but because they've literally been pulled into a game they don't understand. Something doesn't work out. Well, they told me to do it. Wasn't me. Right. And these weak mindsets have infiltrated the human race to an extent, in my view, that we are the dumbest species on Gaia. So, again, it's not about intelligence. What is being manipulated is our emotional states. Uh, through trauma <laughs> and through very sophisticated manipulation of social relationships. It's not that people are dumb. It's not that people are have some sort of intellectual deficit. In fact, I mean, we, we've seen over and over that often many people who are the most highly schooled, who have the most degrees, seem to be enchanted more readily than other people. So th this idea of ignorance that's inaccurate. I think what's what's happening in, in people's inability to sort of navigate with, with more personal agency is that it has to do with the, the game mechanics and the social manipulation and, and the creating trauma and then putting people in a place of feeling like they need to be safe, right? And where do you need to be go to be safe? Most people don't run on their own. They go into the group. And so they, they create traumatic situations and then they allow people to retreat into groups that they can easily identify via these social media platforms, right? And that's that's literally what happened during all of these lockdowns is that we were all driven into this media platforms where we could be tracked and grouped. So it, it's, not, it's not that we're dumb, it's that we were being managed and we don't understand it. That is my opinion. And that is why the universe has placed us in this position of a calling. And I know- no Okay, so did you hear that? A calling, C-U-L-L-I-N-G. So again, I, I would dispute that that is the proper framing because this idea of a genocide um, belies the fact that they actually at this point want us as data. Like we're the, the I believe what this is is a biohybrid supercomputer. Uh, we are assets. We are valuable as data creation. We are we are valuable as nodes of computation. We, we are valuable to the machine wants to learn us. We are here to perform humanity for the machine at this point. Okay, so the idea that because we're stupid, we're being wiped out, that's a social Darwinism framing, right? This, this is this Malthusian social Darwinism framing. And, you know, 
as, as I mentioned before, this comes goes all the way back to Western Enlightenment thinking, right? This goes back to Jeremy Bentham, and, and Sebs has talked about Bentham, and the, the Panopticon, and the quote-unquote reform, welfare reform state, and, and the Quakers, and this idea of, you know, Malthus, and that we're, we have overpopulation, and that we, we're a scourge on the planet. And, and that does also feed into the whole, like, climate narrative, the end of the world narrative. So this idea that somehow we're stupid and we merit a culling um, is a very particular story, but it's not the only story. It's not the only story. Nobody wants to admit that that's true. And I know everybody wants to say, oh, it, it, you know, it paints me in this light of better or holier than thou, and that's not the case. But I understand the argument. The situation is this. Something has to be done at this juncture in human history because we have such a cancerous growth on this planet that we call humans that we are now that's an interesting i'll just show you the um interesting like finger pointing there um so the cancerous growth that we call human so again there's a dehumanization as is happening um the cancerous thing that that this is fully a limits to growth conversation, right? And we have to remember that the limits to growth conversation was sponsored pretty much by MIT. I'm pretty sure. Let me if you hold on a second. I'm just gonna see if I can pull up my. I don't have that all Sega. I think it's, it's in the Sega stuff. Uh, let me see the limits to growth. Limits to growth. 1972. Okay, so Club of Rome. Uh, Oh, gosh, the Volkswagen Foundation funded it. Okay, yeah, Danella Meadows and MIT, and I don't know what the next thing is. But yeah, so it was it was Club of Rome, but MIT was funding it, essentially. And I think it's important to understand if he's, he's sitting there in his car representing uh, Bitcoin and digital currency, the limits to growth, MIT was the... the, the uh, the anchor point for the creation of digital currency, like the MIT Digital Currency Initiative, and I think his name was Brian Ford. Um, they were sort of getting it all started, right? And it, it's again, it's not just crypto, it's going to be the tokens and the smart contracts. So if he's adopting this frame of uh, the, you know, limits to growth, and then we also have, let me see, where's bolding? Yeah, Kenneth Boulding. So, yeah, this is all part of this larger conversation. Kenneth Boulding, the first impact investor, and who was Quaker. And, you know, I have my whole thing about the Quakers. Um, and his wife was a peace activist, Elise, over here. And so he he wrote this book, The Economics of the Coming of Spaceship Earth. So this is all kind of built around the, the world game with Buckminster Fuller. Um, uh, the, let's see, the... Let's see, the operating manual for Spaceship Earth. And it, it came out of Henry George, uh, who was a supposed, you know, progressive economist and Georgism and this sort of land tax stuff um, and poverty and progress. So it was sort of poverty management and Malthusianism and uh, living on a planet as a spaceship that was a closed uh, unit, right? And the, so that leads you, if, if if what you're imagining is that the world is, is closed and limited, uh, then everything has to fall into eventually the circular economy and the cybernetic construct, right? And I, I'm not sure that that's actually the case. <laughs> um, I think that there's more openness about 
our existence on the earth than it, we're led to believe. Um, but this this whole structure goes back to bolding um, the spaceship earth and the Malthusianism and limits to growth. So, you know, when I hear him say that there's a culling, we're stupid, there, something has to happen. We're at this point that there's this cancer and something has to happen. To me, there's this whole backstory behind it that is sort of woven into uh, his personal story as, you know, a digital currency trader or Bitcoin, at least. That we are in a dangerous predicament of uh, really causing permanent damage to not just the planet and not through climate change and all that bullshit, but through a philosophy of death. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. So we're going to harm the planet through death. I don't know if that means through like environmental uh, damage um, and degradation, if that's what he means by death, that, that we're killing um, other like non-human you know, populations of animals and plants and destruction. Now, again, I would say he's a futures trader, right? So th this isn't a guy who's like out being a peace activist. This is a guy who's making money on short selling, right? So if, if you're going to sit in your car and talk about culling people and how you're going to be cool because you're a sovereign person and an entrepreneur, and yet you're worried about death culture, like I would say, hey, dude, you know, take take a take a little minute and and look and see where you're at, right? Because, like, unless if what you're saying is that this is a cancer and we're in a death culture, maybe what you need to look at is your own profession that you've been in for, you know, I don't know, fifteen years or or, or so, uh, in doing this trading work because these short-term uh, gambling products are what lead to bad decisions about managing resources uh, globally. So um, yeah, right. So my point is, I have reached a place where I have gathered plenty of detail and information. I understand the situation enough to where I can make and make decisions and place and and choose actions to better myself to move. Okay, so again, there's a lot of I here, and this is what I wanted to sort of say clearly. There's like, I, 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 I know the stuff. I, and, and, and that's a different story, that the story of I'm here to take care of me is a different story than we're collaborating to figure out what's happening so that we can actually care for broadly for people who need it, especially people who might not have the information, right? Um, there's a there's different dynamics going on and i i just want to emphasize his framing at the beginning like oh those of us in the room we all know like we're we've created this group and we believe this um it's it's very much an us versus them it's a scarcity mentality right it's not enough so make sure that you've grabbed yours for you right make sure that you've got the information but maybe you're not going to share it with others because you're advantaged and that again is the hedge fund culture that is the trading culture if you've got an insider tip that's going to make you a buck you're not sharing it with the guy or the woman on the other side of the cubicle no like you're not sharing it like Knowledge is currency. So in this thing, it is scarce. There's scarce knowledge and you're holding it for yourself to advantage yourself. And again, that's, you know, I'm not saying I'm some great person or anything, but what I, the work that I do and I work really hard at it is to 
provide what I know freely for people who who find that it makes sense to them, that, that find it find it helpful. I don't go around on everybody else's substacks and pages and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. You have to do it my way. Now, I'll admit in the first year, year and a half, I was more focused on really trying to change the conversation because I had the impact finance piece. I didn't even have the complexity stuff then, but I knew that it would change how we looked at it. And then as I understood the cognitive domain management, I realized it wasn't ever going to change. Like this idea of like, oh, Allison, you're not coming up with solutions. It's like, well, I've seen how big this is and I'm not nihilist so the best I can do now is talk about it and go down and put dandelions places like I don't have a better solution to that than try to explain it to people so they can see it and then try to find my way through the labyrinth but I'm not finding my way through the labyrinth so I can run away from everybody else and not include them I'm trying to include people right if you want to be included like I'll hand you a dandelion and we can walk through the damn thing together based on the map that I'm trying to make or we can make together so it's a very different mindset and again this framing um, you know, here that I, I, if the dark side is using me to generate fear and materialize shenanigans, like who, where is the fear coming from? This guy is literally saying that humanity is a cancer that needs a, to be culled. And most people are idiots and can't make like room for themselves. Now I'm not taking responsibility for this guy. You know, I definitely not. Um, he's got to be responsible for himself and his own view move myself towards more sovereignty. But when it comes to the overarching plan, I already got enough detail to where I can operate and squirm in in between their mandates and live in sovereignty. So again, I don't know how he's, I mean, he, he might be able to live, uh, I've got to go back to my token map, um, in his sovereignty, um, but that means that he's an agent in the game. Like this is the token engineering commons again, right? Like he he's imagining he's got this sovereignty, but the sovereignty is as an agent in in this game. Um, shoot, it's open it up again. It's a game, so that's what I keep trying to tell people. You think that you're you're in control, but really you're just a token. You're you're a token, and you're moving around the board. Sure, you know how to move around on the board. But you're a token. And is that the world that we want to live in? Is that the digital world that we're, we're doing? But on hold, if we keep pushing against and fighting against and continuously butting our head over and over and over into this paradigm. See, now, I don't know what he's talking about. So he's saying we're continuing to fight. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, what are we fighting? So you've there's the frame of people are incapable of making decisions they're stupid there's a cancer something must be done if we continue to fight what are, what are we fighting here it's not clear what are we bumping our heads against what that we want life <laughs> is is that the thing that we're bumping our heads against is like life and beauty or community what what is that we're going to be some some miserable mother miserable motherfuckers not only that but it's futile Okay, so who's the nihilist? It's futile. It's futile to, to engage. We're going to get nowhere, and we're going to waste our energy, and we're going to be that much further behind in getting ahead. Now, that's just word salad, honestly. Like, we're going to be behind getting ahead if we keep knocking our heads on something that I'm not going to define. That doesn't make any sense. There's no sense in that. Because our energy is wasted on what's wrong and not what, where are we going? 
<laughs> but you can't know where you're going unless you've actually done the work to lay it out. And this is this is this is a part of that map is to know where you're going. You're going through the socio-technical cyber-physical system, right? You're going through the token engineering. You're you're going through the internet of impact. So so that is the plan. If you imagine that you're going to go somewhere and you're just going to walk off because it's into the beautiful sunset that you imagine, and only you don't know any of this stuff is planned, essentially you're setting yourself up so that they're going to tell you a nice little story to invite you in and then and then trick you as to what it is, like turn the tables at, at the next minute. Like that's what this is going to be about. So you need to know the terrain to know where you're going. So to, to say like we shouldn't bother with the difficult stuff because we just want to go somewhere. Um, no, you actually need to be thoughtful about where you're going. Sure, have ideas, but you can't pretend that this stuff doesn't exist in the background because it does. Right. So what does everyone else think? Am I just an arrogant fucking dickhead? Maybe I am. Sometimes I can be. I can promise you that. But, or do other people see what I'm seeing? Humans have proven themselves unworthy of managing themselves in a manner that, that is sovereign. Do you agree with me with that? So I just- Okay, so, so again, he's sort of putting words in his mouth. I. I just, I feel a little, I feel compassion for him because I think that's a, that's a, that's a heavy, that's a heavy way to be in the world, right? To imagine that most all of your fellow humans that are around you every day don't deserve to live, right? Are, are, are a cancer on the earth and that you're above all of them and that because of, you know, your position in the game. Um, so you know, it is what it is. He asked for, for some feedback and I, you know, provided the feedback. I think he's like, oh, I used to really like you, but I don't like you so much anymore. And I'm like, well, you know, dude, you know, think, right? Um, you know, again, I just want to emphasize that this, I mean, you can sort of see it here. This is his his identifier, is this sigil, right? This 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 is an occult spell casting object, right? And, you know, th this person who kind of cozied up to me and pretended that she wanted to know more about what I was doing is literally co-signing on this video and then saying that the dark forces just happen to be working through me to generate fear. Um, I mean, it's kind of silly, actually, when you look at it. I mean, this is a gentleman who's calling for the destruction, a culling of the people on the planet as ineffectual, cancerous idiots, right? That That's essentially, so I've ne I don't say anything like that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm always very straightforward. And in fact, like fear porn isn't my thing. So, so if you imagine that somehow the dark side is working through me to go around and put dandelions places and try to explain to people why they should care that there was a pandemic and that repurposed drugs with pay for success finance is a bad idea, um, that's just very straightforward analysis. Um, but if you're calling out for some pretty intense things and you're choosing to use spell casting sigils, um, seals for, for how you self-identify in these digital realms, then like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the internet is full of demons. Like maybe that's really just what it is. Um, so, you know, like I said, I'm, 
I want to I want to believe in humanity. Like you know, it would be great if at some point Danny Katz like reached out to me and said, "Wow, you know what? On second thought, I could sort of see that no, you're not the dark one in this equation, um, and I was wrong about that." and uh, maybe made a public apology, you know, and because people can change, we all make mistakes. I, you know, I, I get it, I've made mistakes. Um, but th this stuff does matter because it's not happening in a vacuum. This isn't just Dennis Humble with the Texas hat, flag hat on, sitting in his car, like talking about, uh, uh, you know, culling vast numbers of people on the planet. It's happening in Austin. And Austin is a place I, I've looked at, I've paid very close attention to what's happening to where my friend is going to testify again on behalf of children at the Texas State Capitol this, this week in just a couple of days. And um, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not, and I'm certainly not handing over the world to futures traders, like absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna go down swinging on that one. So um, anyway, I, I'm sorry to like gum up everybody's podcast with like being on twice tonight, but I, I think it's important to get this out because again, I just wanna emphasize these online spaces for the most part, they're not super healthy. I don't think that they bring out the best parts in people. Now I'm not saying you always have to be sunny Pollyanna about everything, but you know, I'm just not sure what meaningful information people are taking away from this stuff now, or if it literally is just like a noise box. So anyway, well, good night, everyone. Good evening, folks. Uh, it's been a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a bit of an impromptu uh, stream here tonight. Uh, so as you know, I've been sort of dealing with uh, sort of these issues around uh, Celia Farber and her substack and the RFK Jr. presidential candidacy and no one wanting to talk about uh, pay for success finance and repurpose drugs. And um, all of that's been bubbling up. And I have like a, an interesting post that I shared yesterday about uh, water programming and RFK Jr. and his position as a riverkeeper. So I'd be interested in that. And also I have a new post up today, a guest post from uh, Lorraine, who had done the work on Talhar Desjardins. And so she's working on, she shared with me a really extensive piece that she had written previously on morphogenesis. And she melded it into uh, the work that, uh, when I was posting clips by Michael Levin on that topic. So super interesting and I, I highly recommend that you check that out. Um, so I just wanted to take a minute, um, cause this is, this is the, actually I've been doing this research. I, you know, I was doing it maybe a year or more ago around, uh, sort of th this idea of financial astrology, I guess, and it's or not maybe not the origins, but one of the earlier de developers of this idea was this guy, Edward Dewey, and he was studying cycles. And, um, and so I had looked at, into this stuff about the foundation for the study of cycles, and it really in some ways informed some of my work around Vienna, uh, because some of the people, uh, who are still part of this group it was started in the 40s and it still continues to exist are based in Vienna and they're sort of futurists and looking at cycles and in a way the nature of cycles is this astrology um, and what precipitated this this live today is just another unfortunate situation and um, someone drew this to my attention I don't really go looking for this because really honestly I'm super busy doing my own stuff and I'd rather not deal with nonsense <laughs> um, but 
given all of the work that I've put in over the past week and the long conversation I had with Cliff about um, just how these social platforms are used and how we sort of lose ourselves and lose our humanity in these spaces, um, I thought it was worth worth spending a little bit of time tonight. Um, and I actually could use your help because uh, I know some people are much more uh, involved in esoterics and uh, other things uh, that that's not my main wheelhouse. And so ultimately there's, there's uh, something in question around the sigil, this sort of magical uh, diagram. And I don't know if it's something that people who are more familiar with sigils would know what it was, uh, but I'd be interested because essentially it seems like this person was targeting me and he has the sigil. And so if I could call on the, the broader collective to have a look and see what you think, um, I'd appreciate it because increasingly I'm thinking that there is this overlap between the esoterics and the science and these financial markets moving forward. So, um, so yeah, so I wanted to start, someone this morning uh, brought to my attention uh, in this Telegram group uh, sponsored by this woman, her name is Danny Katz. And uh, I know, I knew of Danny Katz, I, I wasn't really familiar with her before, but someone said, oh, she's, they're working on the Santa Fe Institute stuff and Game B and Jim Rutt. And so uh, there's, a, there's some overlap in the research that you're doing in, in these areas, in the areas of complexity theory and genetic algorithms, which came out of John Holland at Santa Fe Institute. Um, so this was a couple months ago, maybe, and you know, I'm kind of in a policy that I'm not really doing outside interviews because I just feel like very few people are in the story that I'm in, so I'm really going to focus on my own work. Um, but I was happy to sh compare notes and send some things her way and sort of, you know, things that I thought were really interesting. And it, you know, it, it just didn't seem like it was necessarily reciprocated. So eventually I had stopped. But at some point, uh, she had asked me to do an interview on her podcast. And at that point, I was like, ah, you know, I'm really just uh, not doing other people's, you know, no offense. I'm just kind of focused on my own thing because I, I just haven't had, looking back, great experiences with getting my message out because really most people are in a totally different headspace than my research. And so I, I sort of, you know, did that. But, she, you know, clearly uh, she, she was, she had approached me. It was sort of, you know, uh, she was very nice to me uh, directly, like through email. Uh, but, but then so today I, I see, you know, I, I posted my critique of RFK Jr.'s uh, candidacy. And so this, someone forwarded this to me. And so she had shared it in her Telegram group, uh, that uh, discussion that I had made. Uh, and then so so someone shared this screenshot and then there was a secondary screenshot uh, that was responding to this gentleman uh, by the name of Dennis Humble. Uh, and, and there's this unusual sigil here. And I'm going to show this more closer up late, later, but you can see it's, a, it's quite unusual. The circle for people who are listening in, um, you know, in, in these groups, you have like a circle that represents you, your little avatar thingy, and his is a sigil. So this is Danny Katz in response to this guy, Dennis Humble. And her response is, I agree with you on most fronts while also feeling into market anarchy and how to implement it. Now, you know, I mentioned this to Jason earlier, and he's like, this is such BS because what's coming is token engineering. So this idea that there's gonna be some market anarchy is just silly, right? But okay, so they're feeling into market anarchy and how to implement it. 
also agree wholeheartedly about Allison, which often has me wonder if the dark side is working through her, both to generate fear and to help materialize their shenanigans. Love the video. Thanks for that. Prayers. Um, and, and so that's sort of where it was at, right? So I don't know exactly what they're agreeing with. I couldn't watch the video, what he implied about me, this Dennis Humble person. Uh, but it's interesting that someone who would be nice to you to your face and like ask you to be on their podcast and, um, you know, want to compare notes would then say, oh, I think that the dark side is working through her <laughs> and to manifest their shenanigans or what, whatever. Um, because honestly, you know, guys, I'm the dandelion lady here. Like these are people, I, is, this, is this the dark side working through me that people are sending me natural materials and teasel and things so that I can go out and place love hearts and put good energy to try to sort of rebalance this? Is that the dark side? And, and what's really upsetting is this particular person, like her uh, business is language. Uh, it's quantum languaging. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that. But, um, you know, I was annoyed. And then it turns out I, I someone went in and they looked to figure out who this Dennis Humble person was, right? Because I guess, I guess both Danny and Dennis are unhappy with me because I might be channeling the dark side to materialize shenanigans and exactly what that is. Now, I, I labeled this sort of quantum BS um, because honestly, her thing is quantum languaging. And for the most part, many of her podcasts are set up like to target people that she identified as part of the op. Like that was the frame. And I couldn't really get past that. Like when I was sharing stuff on complexity theory, like I'm like, it's not an op guys. It's thought out. It's, it's something that's been coming for a long time. It's very well thought out. If you frame it as an op, then you're actually dismissing the stuff that's really important to look at. And, but over and over again, and, and honestly, a lot of people that she talked about were not necessarily, like I'm not a huge fan, like most people who consider themselves influencer, I'm not super interested in what they're doing because they're in a totally other story. So am I gonna call them ops? No, I'm not gonna call them ops. But it's kind of rich that someone who would sort of like build up a brand on pointing fingers at ops would then like, take a swipe at me because you, you don't have to agree with me. I mean, you, you don't have to, you can be like, oh, Allison, she's so dumb. She thinks putting hearts in at the UN makes a difference. And that's fair. Like you don't have to believe me. You don't have to think that that's important. But to frame me in this way is like another situation where people are materially misrepresenting me in these closed walled gardens. So yeah, anybody who knows that, yeah, I have an open invitation for you to send me dandelions and stuff that I can use to go out and do these energetic interventions um, would know that that is absolutely ridiculous. But how many people in that room, essentially she has created that reality. Like that reality is, is in that space. And that is actually putting out really negative energy. So is that what we need? I mean, do we need people dragging down those of us who are doing the deep research to, to smear, to smear us that way? Anyway, it was very frustrating. Like that's the first thing I wake up to this morning. Oh, by the way, this person who wants to like kiss your butt and then stab you in the back behind, not cool. It's just bad behavior. And I would say these platforms bring it out in people. Like, what is it with people who think that this is an okay way to be an adult? It's not. It's crappy. And I think the thing is that people feel anonymous. They feel like they can get away with it. They feel like, you know, um, oh, no one's going to notice. Well, hello, it's a small world. It's a small world. Can we be a little kinder to one another? 
right? Can we be a little kind? So, okay. So the reason I'm doing this is not just to call this out, but it actually, so when you look into who Dennis Humble is, so um, he identifies, so it, it, the thing that's useful to, to know, so this is, um, this is Humble Futures Trading. So it's the same sigil. And this is what I would love to have a little bit of um, help. If people understand uh, some of the esoteric stuff, and I understand that these sigils are sort of magical uh, diagrams to manifest certain realities. And I was looking up, I didn't, initially I thought maybe these were astrological symbols. I, I haven't found a match for that. Um, but there's, there's definitely a keyhole in the middle <laughs> and, um, and there's an H and then there's a keyhole and then there's a circle with a dot and a arrow. And when I looked that up, the circle with the dot seems to be the sun and a circle with an arrow is Mercury maybe. And so if you imagine the top of the keyhole is an O, like maybe it's H, H2O, um, like is it water? We've been talking a lot about water. There's sort of a cup there. So I'm gonna spend a little time, but the thing is is that like this person is a futures trading guy in Bitcoin and equity index futures and metals, okay? Now, like this is not a, I mean, based on his Twitter profile, he has 250 followers. So this is not some big guy out there, but literally if, <laughs> if the finger is being pointed at me, for bringing on shenanigans through the dark energies working and 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 literally she's talking to someone who's a bitcoin futures trader who's putting sigils on his twitter page please it's ridiculous i mean this is not okay right and, and it's 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 not okay for people like if you and you know what you know what else is not okay it's not okay for people to stand alongside these people and and be in alignment with them as colleagues or friends and and be like oh i didn't see that oh i didn't see your bad behavior oh like i'm just going to stay quiet and give it a pass because uh who well who knows it's just social media okay like that's how things get bad i you know this is someone who's literally doing futures trading with with sigils in Bitcoin, which is everything that I've been clearly identifying as the as a huge part of the problem. And and they're the ones they're like, oh, yeah, OK, so don't let don't let the dandelion lady get involved and like maybe mess up your Bitcoin trading schemes. OK, and hedging. This is not even a long term <laughs> like this is not even long term trades. Um, so, yeah, so this this they've got the sigil. So, again, you know, unless there's two Dennis Humbles running around using these sigils, um, this is the guy. And again, he's based where? He's based in Austin. Okay. So he's in Austin. So, you know, tomorrow morning, uh, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to put some more material together. And, and my friend Lynn Davenport and I are going to have another discussion later on in the afternoon before she goes back to Austin for Tuesday and Wednesday to contest all of these technologies to contest the blockchain, to contest the stuff that's happening with the digital twinning. So Lynn is showing up. I'm providing a lot of material about these open education resources and putting children on blockchain, which are futures markets, okay? So this dude, Dennis Humble, today he's trading Bitcoin, but in the future, in Austin, in Texas, once they get everyone on blockchain, those futures trading, they're gonna be, they're gonna be, um, trading futures of children and people in addiction and the homeless, homeless veterans and people with mental health issues. It's gross. 
And this is not far distant. This is in Austin. Like this matters. These are people in Austin who are using sigils to conduct their programs, right? So who is the problem here? Who is the problem? The mom at the kitchen table, like having no lunch and doing research and eating apples for lunch and like combing over Jungian analysis and the OSS and graphene and water and you know, I'm kind of sick of it because someone just put up a post on or a comment on my YouTube like, oh, maybe we're making it happen because we're thinking about it. So maybe we just shouldn't think about it. Maybe it just needs our energy to happen, right? So, okay, meanwhile, you've got these bozos over here saying don't think about it and that these guys are doing all of these trades, right? Let's all be quiet and like not move and maybe it won't notice that it's happening. Maybe it'll just all stop if we pretend it's not happening. Now, I'm not saying be panicked, run around, scream head. How many people are out there doing fear porn, right? How many people out there who are grabbing your consciousness and shaking it around and saying, the world is ending and you're going to lose all your money. You're not going to have any food. I would say 75% of the content creators in the quote unquote resistance are doing that all the time. That's not my jam. I don't do that. I look. I look with intention, I look with, dist with, with a remove distance, and I try to figure it out and put the pieces together. And I don't demand anybody look at my stuff. Or I don't demand anybody pay me. I don't, I don't have any subscription model subscribers. I'm not trying to sell you a solution. I'm not trying to sell you a hero. I'm not trying to scare you to death either. And I think anybody who's like familiar with um, my work knows that that's me. Anybody who's looked at me at all knows that's me. That's why Celia Farber couldn't look at my clip. That's why she refused to engage with me because then she would have to know me as a person, right? And it really sucks to have people who want to cozy up to you and pretend that they want to know you as a person and do this stuff and then align with what? The Bitcoin hedge fund guys. So he, he had started his own firm in 2011 uh, humble futures, right? And then he, before that, he was a senior equities trader in Kirshner Trading Group. He has a bachelor's from Texas Tech, okay? So, so you know, if you just look, there's not a lot on his LinkedIn, but you know how LinkedIn that you can like get the badges and the, you know, the people endorsing you for different skills? Most people don't really in, do that. Dennis is definitely into all of that. He wants every single skill endorsement he can get. Uh, I will just read off the list of his uh, skills that he has endorsements from. Trading, options, equities, securities, commodities, proprietary trading, technical analysis, trading systems, series seven, uh, private equity, financial markets, hedge funds, trading strategies, equity trading, risk management, equity derivatives, quantitative analysis, series 63, stocks, ETFs, quantitative analytics. Um, and then we've got a commodity, option strategies, derivatives, Bloomberg, fixed income, electronic trading, financial modeling, investments, FX options, FX trading, asset management, capital markets, valuation, portfolio management, mutual funds, hedging, financial risk, strategic financial planning, corporate finance, equity research. The guy is really kind of proud of himself. Uh, financial analysis, mergers and acquisitions, series 24, investment banking, due diligence, alternative investments. Those would be the preschoolers, I guess, on blockchain at the surveillance play tables. Low latency entrepreneurship. Okay, so this guy is pretty proud of all of his skills in futures trading, right? And he's going to, I guess, make a video calling me out. 
and then and then with co-signed by this influencer Danny Katz like oh yeah we know Allison is pulling down all of the black magic to bring all of the bad things into the world for god's sake y'all are in a ridiculous story like I don't know what what story that the derivatives traders are the heroes people really I mean is that what we're talking about the derivatives traders are the heroes of the story that you're writing for yourselves it's crazy Okay, so this is where he was at before. You've got a bull. So, of course, bull has a lot of esoterics all put in with that, with the Mithric stuff. Uh, and, of course, bull markets. But Kirshner Trading, it wants to be known as the best place in the world where short-term traders, these are gamblers, let's be honest, these are gamblers, make the most money and grow their career. We are a proprietary trading and technology firm providing capital trading applications and infrastructure to manual and algorithmic traders. The home office is in Austin, Texas, right? Austin, Texas, the home of the Defense Innovation Office, or one of them, where they've got a, the, the, lots of gamification, right? Where they're setting up all of the educational technology, where they're doing the electronic government. What do you think they're going to be betting on? What do you think they're going to be betting on, Danny? <sighs> it's just frustrating. Okay, so here, here is this sigil. So this is, again, from his LinkedIn. Now, I would, I would appreciate if <laughs> maybe you could pause if you're somebody who knows about such things, magical, chaos magic things, and let me know what you think of this. Like, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good. Is this what we're about? Is this how we wave our quantum la languaging magic in our uh, walled garden telegram chat channels? like uplifting people who would put sigils for their to advance their futures trading projects? What the hell is this? What is it? I mean, I'm just going to put in my blog again. I just want to pull up a picture. So like, in, look at this content. I've been putting out all this content like in a week and it's like bullshit. I shouldn't be have to spend all my time fighting these ridiculous fires. This is from the, the, the city council uh, mayoral forum. This was, this was at the Franklin Institute. The mayoral forum in, um, in Philadelphia like a week and a half ago, right? Um, this is in the theater, and this is something I talked about with Lynn on my OER program. But there, there were three scientists that were uh, on the walls as the decorations in the theater where the mayoral panel forum was happening. And it was the education forum, right? So these are the people who are gonna put people on surveillance tables, right? Like if, and no one, no, well, no one would talk about that. No one would talk about social impact bonds. No, it's just like Celia Farber. Maybe if we don't look at it, it won't be happening, right? And then we can still pin, um, you know, pin it on Allison because she's thinking about what's happening and she's making it happen, right? Rather than the people actually perpetrating it. But so it was Newton, uh, Galileo and Copernicus were the other three, uh, like you can kind of see, I made them smaller. So there's Copernicus was one of the pit paintings, Galileo and Newton. And somebody uh, told me that actually Newton was, I think all three of them considered themselves alchemists, but Newton was alchemy and uh, uh, occultism, right? And so we're in the, ben, the Franklin Institute named after Ben Franklin, with, which is electricity, which we're looking at morphogenesis and fields and bioelectricity and all this stuff. And you've got the three scientists at the top. At the top of the theater is um, a, a, an image of a, 
someone in a robe with a very long beard pointing at a book with these cauldrons, fiery cauldrons in the background and um, some bellows and another book and a skull and it says alchemy and astrology and it has between them it has a downward pointing triangle with a line through it an upward pointing triangle with a line through it and then a little triangle with waves underneath right and I think that this is all of this um magical crap and they're they're playing around like it's science on the top but I think at the baseline it's metaphysics. It's it's metaphysics and alchemy. So I do not take kindly to people using their quantum languaging BS whatever influence with people who are putting out sigils pretending like I'm the one channeling the dark forces. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit. It's not okay. So yeah, so I'm just going to put this back here and I'm going to say... Um, Here's, yeah, this is the sigil. So if anybody can help me out, I'm going to do a follow-up because this is opening a whole can of worms about this financial astrology and chaos magic that I need to get into later. So, okay, so this is the sigil itself. Um, for I was not, like I knew a little bit about sigils and John D and these magical incantations, but for people who aren't familiar, I'm just going to read, and this is out of Wikipedia, so okay, slap me because if you don't like Wikipedia, if there's something wrong that I'm saying, you know, intervene but essentially it's describing as a sigil is a type of symbol used in magic the term has usually referred to a pictorial signature of a deity or spirit in modern usage especially in the context of chaos magic sigil refers to a symbolic representation of the practitioner's desired outcome and so i think that that is part of what we're seeing like this is probably something that he has a desired outcome i don't know about his bitcoin income flow or something like that um, the this use of symbols for magical or cultic purposes has been widespread since the Neolithic era. The term sigil derives from the Latin sigillum, uh, meaning seal. In medieval magic, the term sigil was commonly used to refer to occult signs, which represented various angels and demons, which the practitioner might summon. The magical training books called grimoires often listed pages of such sigils. A particularly well-known list is the Lesser Key of Solomon, in which the sigils of 72 princes of the hierarchy of hell are given for the magician's use. Such sigils are considered by some to be the equivalent of the true name of the spirit, and thus granted the magician a measure of control over over those beings. Um, a common method of creating the sigils of certain spirits is to use kameas, a special use case of magic squares. The name of the spirits were converted to numbers, which were then located on the magic square. The locations were then connected by lines, forming an abstract figure. The word sigil has a long history in Western magic. The members of the Gold Dawn were per per perfectly familiar with it, combining letters, colors, and attributions of their synthesis. Thou mayest build up the talismatic image of a force. The sigil shall then serve thee for the tracing of a current which can call into action a certain elemental force and it was used in the making of talismans. The sigil was like a signature or a sign of a, an occult entity. Okay so and um, so that's that and I did just I, I'm not going to read the whole thing but it is this connection to chaos magic um, and that this chaos magic is something that is uh, used in modern times. So this isn't just a medieval thing. This is something that, that people are using today to accomplish their certain ends. Um, and, and this brings to mind, so, you know, I've, I've talked about this a couple times in the past. This was a game uh, connected to sovereign nature. And um, 
Curve Labs, and I've talked about this on a podcast with Leo, this interspecies game, super creepy, where people would go into parks and there would be like almost like geocaching, like ritual spaces linked to particular places. Uh, and the Tree of Life, you were supposed to go out and collect information and bring it back to the Tree of Life. But in addition to the Tree of Life aspect of the game, uh, there was also a game of oracles. Uh, which was the data gathering to bring the fake tree of life on blockchain. And, and this is relevant, I think, because again, this guy is pitching bitch, Bitcoin in Austin, which is with, you can't really disregard all of the, the token engineering and the blockchain and the smart contract stuff going on in the background, right? And so this this game is actually a blockchain game to try to enliven uh, a DAO, a, tr a fake mechanical tree DAO and bring it life by putting our life force into these tokens and the data. But then additionally, they had a game of sigils and it says the tree of life raises the ecological awareness of its dwellers through the game of sigils. This game directs the dwellers in the park to visit designated locations, becoming more conscious of their environment in the process. Wandering the park, participants hunt for shrines, which spawn at the location of past game of Oracle winners. The locations are not shared with the dwellers. They need to find them. All right. So there's this idea of sigils being part of the gamification. And again, there are a lot of video game designs happening in Austin that are connected to um, to the Defense Innovation Program, right? So, so I just want to also mention um, a, a while ago this summer, uh, I I wrote a post. I went into I spent about a month. Actually, it was last fall already. My God, the time flies. Uh, it was called "What Stage Are We On?" Immersive Storytelling, Hegelian Dialectic, and Crypto Spectacle, and it was a total. Uh, teardown of the crypto skeptic conference uh, pointing out how many of the people who were involved are actually at the core of the smart contract layer and so they were on the top pretending that they were against crypto uh, but they were definitely part of this group that is the pendulum swing back to like token engineering for the public good and the digital commons right and so i unpacked all of this i made it in a really extensive post every single person uh, that was involved in that conference i deconstructed it all um, and including one of the people that was participating was Vinay Gupta of Materium. And uh, Vinay Gupta was uh, one of the key architects of the consensus smart contract layer. And so when I was uh, had posted this, I got a really useful uh, comment that said that, oh, um, actually, because some of the interviews, let me see, uh, that I had featured here, that the people who were in, uh, in uh, uh, Ian Grigg was one of the, the people that was a, a, one of the key figures involved in early Ricardian smart contracts. And um, so there was a Materium conference at which Stephen Deal, who was the host, and Ian Grigg, who is also connected to Materium and um, uh, was working on Ricardian smart contracts, they were presenting and they were interviewed uh, by this guy, Jason Love. And, and so I said, I wrote here, I said, someone gave me a heads up in the comments of one of my videos that Love is an Austin-based practitioner of Anakian chaos magic at Ultraculture. He has written for Vice, Boing Boing, Motherboard, and authored several books, including one on John D, who used sigils. Last year, Love interviewed Vinay Gupta, head of Materium, for his podcast. Gupta, a consultant to the military to the military corporations and open source community on how to save the world with blockchain and microinsurance spackle, was among the presenters at the Mormon Transhumanist Association conference on blockchain last March. 
Okay, so you've got like this guy is doing sigils in Austin with his crypto, and then you've also got um, Jason Love, uh, the chaos guy at uh, Ultra Culture, also in Austin. Now, I, it's it's not a, it's not a. I don't think it's all a coincidence. Like, do I say that these guys, that Mr. Humble and Mr. Love know each other? No, but like, that's the energetic current of that city. And again, who is tapping into what, right? That's what I'm asking for. Who is tapping into what? Because you can see with Love, it's all of these devices um, and, and, you know, and frequencies, right? And when I was talking to uh, the IEEE people, um, I was on their webinar and they were saying, oh yeah, not so much physics, metaphysics, metaphysics. Well, these people know, right? These people know. And so he describes Ultra Culture as a data-driven media company to reimagine the mind, body, and spirit marketplace for a global audience, right? Right? Well, what do they need to reimagine the mind, body, and spirit marketplace in Texas than blockchain identity and soul-bound tokens? Well, I, I would think that that would be a reimagining of the mind, body, and spirit, right? And then you could bet on it and then you could steer it towards whatever crazy psychic evolutionary angle you have going through your games, through your LARPy extended reality games. But it matters that this is the context of this guy humble. It matters, okay? So here's his LinkedIn. Again, he's talking about ultra culture. Before that, he was on some space committee with uh, Buzz Aldrin and Edgar Mitchell. So that's like got all the noetic stuff involved. Supposedly they were doing solar satellites, but I don't know about that. Like, I mean, ugh. and um, and then here's the ultra culture. Unlock your magic. Ultra culture is dedicated to empowering you with the tools of magic, the occult, enlightenment, and self-liberation. What if there was a technology for unlocking your mind and freeing your spirit, for turning reality into exactly what you want it to be? There is an ultra culture exists to share the technology, right? And so this is the this is the milieu, right? Like my friend Lynn is going to testify in Austin against these technologies that are literally doing some kind of terrible mind programming magic to the children, like for impact markets and for God knows whatever else, you know, and... This is all going on in the background, right? And so somehow me, by me talking about it, what, I'm responsible for, I'm responsible for it? Like this wouldn't happen if I didn't, if I didn't say anything? Like if I just closed my eyes and pretended it wasn't happening and that, you know, smart contracts didn't exist and Mr. Love wasn't like practicing, you know, magic with Materium and the Programmable Matter guy that poof, they would all disappear, right? Like, I'm not saying to perseverate. I'm not saying to, to be down and sad or whatever. No, go out. Pick some dandelions. Go, you know, read some books and be in the sunshine and see all the beauty. Like I was talking to Cliff this morning. The beauty. They're trying to capture your mind so that you can't see the beauty, right? And I'd really much rather spend my time, like, looking at the beauty. But my job is to be the scout, right? For some people. Not for all people. If you want to, you know follow the Camelot campaign, if you want to, uh, you know, sign up for your ivermectin subscriptions, if you want to do those things, I'm not here to stomp on, on your rainbow and say you can't, right? I've moved beyond that. For the first year and a half, I thought I had really important information about impact markets and blockchain that would inform the conversation. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Okay. It was clear. Did that make me a nihilist? No. Did that make me an overdose on red pill? Nope. What that made me was someone who was looking to the beyond, not using goofy sigils and things, but actually looking for the beauty and trying to put an, a good energetic intention out there. 
not for selfish reasons, not to make money, not to have the best Bitcoin. That wasn't why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I can see how big it is. And some, like, I feel like a sm the small number of people who can't see it, we need to figure it out. And for me right now, dandelions and hearts and felt, you know, hearts and different things. And I have my whole thing that I have to put out about New York. But that feels like the thing that I'm going to do, right? I mean, let me see. I'll Let me look up this. I'm just going to gotta take a breath this is so annoying people like I have work to do I really do not want to spend all my time doing this stuff so this is my this for people who have been waiting so I went to New York uh in early March and I set a bunch of intentions all over the place and you know I'm gonna have to debrief but this is this is me in person right this is me outside the UN I'm there with my friends who are keeping an eye on the UN on the conference of the status of women and there's this wall and it's really cold because the you know stuff is blowing off the Hudson and here here's me setting intentions at the corner of the steps right with rose petals and pussy willows that I bought because there was not much green in early March in New York and um, like Eve's shells and acorns that my friend Eileen sent me and somebody else sent me these lovely little like crocheted circles. This isn't me. Is this channeling? Is this channeling the dark forces to bring about the, the shenanigans as she says, right? I mean, is this... This is just beauty. Now, I'm not going like looking up some book and going, oh, I'm just like, I'm here. I see this. I see this story. Here's my dandelion leaf. Here's life. Here's the beauty of life as it's created, right? Of the spiraling dynamics. Of and we stand in that space for the sacred, for the beauty, for calling to the, to the creator to stand with us in this thing that we're having to deal with, that we shouldn't have to deal with. So, you know, I don't see where in this somehow I am like the Debbie Downer, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Is it fun? Is it fun to look at this stuff? It isn't fun. No, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Some days, yeah, like I'm really interested in it. And it's, it's, it's quite, you know, curious and mesmerizing and whatever. But am, am I the one doing the, the black magic? No, I'm not doing the black magic. So, um... So, okay, so then we've got, oh gosh, I guess I didn't put in the Materium guy. Hmm, I thought I, okay. Well, anyway, so this is the last thing I'm gonna say. So this is the stuff that I wanna spend some time on. And I guess all of these things are lessons, right? All of these things are lessons in like, okay, the world taps you on the shoulder and the world tapped me on the shoulder and said, okay, um, you know, uh, don't do interviews with other people. Don't do it. You know how you maybe are entertaining that idea? Don't. Don't. Just focus on your own work. Okay. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> now, I don't want to not trust any other people because people screw me over all the time because that's a shitty place to live in, right? Um, so I'm not going to do that, but I'm still not. I'm just going to pursue my own focused work. Okay. I'm going to do my own stuff. I'm putting out tons of content. I don't need to go around on other people's podcasts. Um, so that was the other lesson was looking back at some work that I had uh, looked into, uh, I think it was last fall, um, I was reading one of these books and I can't remember, it was like The Bankers of Babylon or something about Venice, I think I had, or the physics, maybe the physics of money, and I can't remember the gentleman's name and I apologize, but um, he brought my attention to, in this book, about Edward Dewey and the study of cycles. 
and that Edward Dewey was uh, brought in uh, and set up to study cycles and figure out what happened with the depression. And so he, he essentially like studied all sorts of cycles, uh, emotional, bugs, financial, agriculture, planets, every kind of cycle. And he started to, to create, looking at these different uh, systems that were harmonized, okay? And, and in many ways, what he was doing was the was early financial astrology because it is a cycle. It, these cycles were related to the cycles of the earth, okay? And so the, the synchrony in the cycles um, were something that he was very interested in. And he actually created something called the Foundation for the Study of Cycles, which still exists. And um, so this is Edward R. Dewey. And uh, he he spent his whole life doing this. Um, he was brought in by the government under Hoover, I think, Herbert Hoover. And then um, uh, then he uh, then he went back to uh, eventually towards the end of his life, they relocated his institution in Pittsburgh, which is interesting because it was right around the time when Oliver Reiser of the World Sensorium was retiring. So there's a lot, you know, we know with AI and machine learning and cycles in Pittsburgh. So I thought, I think it was housed at Pitt, his, all of, all of his papers. Um, so, and then I think that the, the, in, the organization that he started got, um, it passed along, but as many of these projects that are like soulful projects of people, they, um, like when he died, it kind of went into a, like a free fall. And the guy who picked it up, I think he lived in Mexi New Mexico for a while, and he had a place in Palm Springs, and he got all the materials because they were doing regular publications, like quarterly publications on all these cycles. They have like so much information. This is all on paper. And he stored all the materials in a storage locker in Palm Springs and moved to Bucharest, Romania, which is interesting because, you know, uh, Ocean Protocol has a huge presence in Romania and somehow up and died and uh, left everything in chaos. And, and then in the last couple years, someone came in, this guy Robert Smith, uh, to step back in and, and put it on another sound footing and move forward with this project. Uh, again, that's been going since the 1940s. And this, uh, this is from their website and it talks about the history that it started in 1941. And they're looking at all of these natural, social, and financial cycles and they published this magazine between 1950 and 1997, many conferences, and they developed software uh, around cycles. And it says that that looking at these, uh, that, that the cycles in the financial markets had numerous uh, important investors, including uh, W. Clement Stone, Fidelity Funds, Coleman and Company, and do, 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 Paul Tudor Jones. Now, Paul Tudor Jones uh, is behind the Robin Hood Foundation, and he worked with, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Robert, I'm gonna have to look it up for a second. Uh, 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 Paul Tudor Jones, sorry, I wasn't expecting go so far back. Robert Duger. Yeah. So I, I wrote this post in 2018 as Robert Duger setting up Robin Hood to steal from the poor. So Paul Tudor Jones was working with Robert Duger through the Robin Hood Foundation and then also Stanley Druckenmiller to set up impact finance in Harlem Children's Zone. Okay. So he was one of the people who was looking at this particular way of doing financial market research. Um, and okay. So now they're back and running and whoops. Uh, so here he is. This is another uh, blog.
blog post. I did a whole series. This is in 2019, looking into Stanley Druckenmiller, who was connected to Soros, uh, was a manager for Soros's uh, funds, um, and. So Stanley Druckenmiller and Paul Tudor Jones were doing the, the Harlem Children's Zone and getting it all set up. And what Paul Tudor Jones says is the whole world is simply nothing more than a flow chart for capital. And I think this is a really important idea to understand as I was just talking with someone today about the intersection between biophysics, econophysics, and social physics, right? And this idea of optimizing uh, life on this planet through uh, cybernetic systems theory systems and the token engineering, right? Uh, whatever this ridiculous comment about like leaning into market anarchy, there's not going to be market anarchy. There's going to be token engineering towards convergence, towards the emergence of the noosphere of the unification of this global hive mind for, I believe, a biohybrid computer, right? And, and that's going to link our social relations with our biology, right? Uh, through these nanostructures and through the frequency. So when he's saying the whole world is is just a flow chart for capital, he means it. Flow chart, think of the all the work I've been doing in the flow life, the Adam Newman, the flow smart environment. It is a state of flow that we are supposed to meld together into this hive mind. Um, so, so this is the book, you know, I'll include this link if people want to follow. It's on the, the archive.org, uh, Dewey's book, The Cycles, The Science of Prediction with Edwin Dakin. Uh, I think it was published in 1947, important book. And so here is the new president of this Foundation for the Study of Cycles. His name is Richard Smith. Uh, and what's really strange is that like in this oddball way. So Richard Smith, I think he actually does work on these apps, like behavior training apps for people on uh, trading and, you know, like all of these game stops or whatever, these trading apps and like how to train people to be uh, against their bias, right? Against their human bias. And I would say within the first year of the lockdowns, he actually reached out and called me. Like he, he, we had a phone conversation and that was before I knew anything about complexity theory or any of the other stuff. Okay. So why would this guy call me? Right. He, and then it turns out, I find out, you know, a year or so later that he's the new chairman for this foundation on the study of cycles. So when he took over, uh, the, uh, took, took over the program, uh, he, I guess this was in 2018 and he started a blog and he's sort of talking about cleaning house, starting over fresh program. Um, you can see here that there is a, this was the, the feature image on this blog. And so you've got the, the Apple computer, and then you've got the Cycles uh, library collection here, gold edition. And then what do you have next to it? Well, you have uh, Rediscovering the Integral Cosmos uh, by Gene Barella and Wolfgang Smith. Uh, physics, metaphysics, and I think causality or something like that. It, it goes a bit off the thing. So he's literally featuring in his feature image a metaphysics book in conjunction with the Cycles. Um, so I think that we can't, this whole thing with the sigils and the chaos magic stuff, I don't think that we can discount that. And then later on, Smith goes on to say, um, the FSC, the Foundation for the Study of Cycles, will continue to publish great research. Uh, we're going to deliver greater value to our members. But it is clear that Dewey didn't intend for it to be primarily a for-profit business selling signals uh, to financial speculators. His vision was larger pragmatically and academically. Um, uh, so he didn't want it to be this uh, 
for-profit business. Early on in his most well-known book, Cycles, The Mysterious Forces That Trigger Events, Dewey describes his vision for the foundation as he saw it in 1941. Uh, Highlights excerpted here. Uh, Cathedral number one, the advancement of human knowledge. Okay, so they're saying we're going to advance human knowledge. Cathedral number two, the elimination of war. Okay, now I'm not pro-war, right? And I would formerly very much consider myself like anti-war and pro-peace. But now that I understand what is the backstory to that, that that is homeostasis. That is running the world as a supercomputer. This is Unicomp. Like if you've been listening to me talk about this pervasive day and the pervasive computing and linking it to Ira Levin's This Perfect Day, that is what Unicomp is for, is to prevent war, to create everything, um, everything unified, right? Everything computational. And that really concerns me, right? This foundation is going to eliminate war, all right? That's what's going to happen on the smart contracts. Cathedral three, the elimination of depressions. So they're talking about uh, eliminating financial depressions. That's through the token engineering that's going to be coming. Cathedral number four, elimination of disease, right? Well, that's also, now again, I'm not for global disease, but this little foundation that's studying cycles is somehow going to do that, right? Knowing what we know about where the trajectory is headed with telemedicine and everything else that that we're going to just, oh, sign me up, right? That's the biophysics. That's the biophysics part. That's the part I keep talking about with, um, what's his face? Uh, uh, Weinstein, the Eric, the mathematical one, right? He wants to bring that together. Oh, well, we'll eliminate your disease. We'll just dial up your right frequency. We've got a med bed right for you, right? And then Cathedral 5 is where weather forecasting a year or more in advance, right? Well, how are they going to do that? Well, duh, that would be geoengineering, right? You're actually making the weather. You can forecast the weather if you're actually engineering it yourself, right? Um, so these concerns, the, I have a lot of concerns about like what what exactly uh, Mr. Smith, interesting choice of words, Mr. Smith is doing, um, planning to do with the, the cycle stuff. So this is, um, this is from his page, his uh, ResearchGate page, and you know most of this is most of his work is twenty years old, uh, but it's he is looking at look at this John Holland's work. John Holland is the genetic algorithm, right? Here's one, uh, is Echo a complex adaptive system, right? Uh, generalized information theory, resolving some old questions. Uh, oh, guess what? This was his thesis. Where did he get his PhD? SUNY Binghamton. You know who else got, well, not a PhD, but just an undergraduate degree? Jeffrey Yass of Susquehanna Investment uh, International Group. That's the center of like, I have to get back to it, but the, the God's eye view um, program, like this idea of speculative derivatives and futarchy and all of it. So Jeff Yass and Susquehanna are connected to Binghamton. So that's where he got his thesis. And uh, motivation and context, right? That's what I've been talking about is what are motivating factors? How are they moving people in these telegram groups, in these substacks? What they know the motivation and then they can steer people through evolutionary activity and the emergence of ecologies, right? These substacks have to be considered ecologies or holons. They're emergent and they're being steered by people who would practice quantum languaging on, on unsuspecting dandelion pickers, right? Um, here on unmeasuring uncertainty and evidence theory. And this is with his thesis advisor, George Clear, um, or his dissertation advisor. Um, So this is just some background on Richard Smith. Again, his focus is on fuzzy logic, neural networks, probabilistic reasoning. The other stuff that I haven't really gone into about UT Austin, but again, Peter Stone and AI. 
it's important stuff that, that that's happening, that, that, that the University of Texas Austin is in many ways, I feel like it's, it's up there competing with MIT um, in, in, the, in these spaces, in mathematical computation, right? We can't discount that. There's not, um, it's not a surprise that, that Texas is being set up for the blockchain state, as well as, you know, it'll be coming to California too and they've got their own stuff. But um, UT Austin's presence in all of these things, nanotechnology, um, you know, finance, uh, policy studies, AI, very important. Um, and so what he's talking about is this idea of uh, forecasting, um, not only in financial markets, but in genomics. And that's the evolutionary stuff that I keep talking about. Um, and then who is clear? Uh, well, George Clear was a professor of system science at Binghamton since 1969. So honestly, he was probably there when Jeffrey Yass was there. And his focus was on uh, simulation, logic design, computer architecture, discrete mathematics, and uh, intelligent systems, and fuzzy set theory and fuzzy logic, right? And his research was supported for 20 years by the NSF, the Office of Naval Research, the Air Force, NASA, NATO, Sandia National Labs, and industry. Okay, so this is where Richard Smith got his training is in this context. And, and here's just um, some information about Jeffrey Yass um, that, you know, again, trading, trading. Now, this guy, Humble, he's he's peanuts, right? He's got 250 viewers on Twitter. He's blah, he's a dime a dozen, right? But if we're going to start to point fingers at like the nature of the problems, right, is it fair to say that the people who are actually inquiring to understand the nature of the problem are the problem or the people who are actually betting on futures that will be human futures and allowing that to happen right so uh so this is this is this is really important and that's just straight up gambling so um so i do want to just mention uh you know this wasn't just some person, right? Again, this is a person who came up to me and was like, hey, would you like to be on our podcast? And look, we're, we're doing, um, I'm doing all of this work into uh, Game B and Jim Rutt and whatever. And then when you, when you show up and you try to exchange information and share information, they're not really interested, right? But Danny Katz represents her as she's a business consultant uh, in words, right? So you can't just say, oh, she didn't know. She didn't really, you know, Ah, oh, she didn't know what she was doing there when she said that thing. She probably just wasn't thinking about it. No, she's a quantum languaging consultant. And, and, and she, she sells her services, right? And she, she says that she, uh, she's written books called Pop Propaganda and Spirit Hacking, right? So I guess if she was channeling spirits, like maybe she knows better than me, right? But like this is sort of you. And then in the middle is this telegram group that is where the, the person sent me the image from. And... You know, again, her whole identity is words, words. And, and there's a like kind of a disturbing background there, but whatever, that does seem kind of frequency-ish. But these words and these sketches. So her, her YouTube thing is called Word Up, her YouTube channel. And just to clarify, she says, uh, she uh, this is from her about page on her website. Uh, one of LA's edgiest literary talents, writing about art, sex, consciousness, wellness, spirituality, and transformational culture for the LA Weekly back in its early millennium heyday. Uh, she was the lead writer and researcher on the highly censored documentary, Plandemic 2, in Doctor Nation. Uh, she has a master's from uh, USC's prestigious Annenberg School. Yes, and Walter Annenberg, uh, because we have an Annenberg School here at University of Pennsylvania, and they're all about uh, blockchain media and controlling consciousness through this. So like, yeah, that'll probably be pretty good, you know, 
prestigious place to learn how to do this stuff. She spent her last decade and a half immersed in the study of quantum languaging trademark. So I'm not sure whose trademark that is, but it's a thing. And conscious communication, researching and perfecting the myriad ways, whys and hows that language influences our everyday human experience, right? So I will say I uh, sent a, a terse email to her this morning saying like, I'm kind of done with this nonsense and we won't be corresponding further. Um, but at no point did she, she had not, as the time that I started this, uh, this stream, she hadn't replied to me. She didn't apologize. She didn't say, oh, I didn't mean that, right? Um, so, you know, <laughs> That's not cool. Like if what you're saying is like, you're gonna have like harmony and profit and like empowering individuals and yet you use your skills to target people, like it's it's gross. Like you don't act nice to people to their face and then do that to them. Or if you do, like I think you have to figure out what is actually motivating you. Like what what is it about that that you think that you would use your tools in this way? Because like my Cliff, my friend Cliff says, if you've got a hammer, if you hit, it's gonna reverberate down your arm, right? So if what you're doing is you're using your skills to hammer at people and not even to their face, like not even to come on and engage and say, you know what? I don't know since she posted the thing about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., does she support his candidacy? Like, I mean, she was never even clear about that, like to come to me and I, she did leave sort of a cryptic comment on my YouTube channel and I couldn't go back, I couldn't find it again. And that's actually what led the person to try to figure out what was going on and how this came up. But, you know, you can't sell yourself as like happiness and, you know, like love and light and hearts and blah, blah, blah. Let me make you your best self and then run around and do this to people. Or like it, it should be if then if people are paying you for it, then maybe they're the people with the hammers. You know, maybe is that who's paying for these services? Like it's just, it's, it's, it's concerning. And so again, she's talking about propaganda, uh, working with homeschoolers and teaching kids about propaganda. Uh, she wrote a whole book about it, you know, to make it accessible and to show the, how the techniques are worked. Well, would you not consider that propaganda? Like to me, that's another example of pre-bunking, right? Oh, you know, Alison McDowell, I really worry about her and her psychology. Um, maybe she's channeling dark things to make this happen. That's like, one, it's a lame analysis, but two, like that's propaganda. Like that's essentially saying I'm something that I'm not. That's a propaganda. So if you're gonna write a book about propaganda and like teach people how to deconstruct it, like you should own up to when you're using propaganda and like tell me why, right? Because it's one thing to to come up with someone and say, well, this is why I think Robert, like your analysis of Robert F. Kennedy, where it's missing, right? Because I think of it like this, or I have these other things that I'd like to bring into the discussion, right? But that doesn't happen. People don't have the backbone to go up to people and say, okay, so have you thought about looking at it like this? Have you thought about, because this is where I stand and this is what I bring into it, right? And so essentially, this is just cozying up with this, the sigil people, right? Oh yeah, you know? So again, I, I, this is kind of wrapping this up. I'm gonna go back into the foundation um, for the study of cycles uh, because there's this guy, Bill Ruby, who's really important with the Kinos Institute <clears throat> and Foresight and Vienna and the token engineering. And maybe this was the universe's way to say, yeah, 
it's a good thing you didn't go on that woman's podcast. That was a good thing. Uh, by the way, remember this thing that you kind of put on the back burner, maybe you need to drag it back out and think about it some because a lot of the people who are doing this impact finance derivatives traders, yeah, they're kind of working in this space too. And you know, remember the IEEE people are talking about metaphysics. So yeah, maybe it's time to spend some time, but this is not my, um, uh, this is, you know, this is not my um, bailiwick. So if, if, you know, I tried to screenshot a couple things and feed them into Google image to see if I could figure it out and I can, and who knows, maybe this is just Mr. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Humble's special uh, magical potion for himself, and it doesn't mean anything else beyond what that is. Um, but uh, yeah, also agree wholeheartedly about Allison, which often has me wonder if the dark side is working through her both to generate fear and help materialize their shenanigans. Love the video. Thanks for that, Danny Katz. Right. So. Um, Think about it. Like I'm, I'm just asking people who maybe follow her work, um, what would lead her to, um, is it just peer pressure? Like she was wanting to ingratiate herself to this humble person or uh, like why would you, what would lead you to do that? And is that an energetic of these spaces, right? Is that an energetic, is that what it brings us down to, to be in these spaces? So um, yeah, I just have a lot of questions. Um, again, I guess it just reinforces that I should be a hermit and like just be a uh, uh, totally doing this by myself mostly with a few people and putting it out and see what where it matters. Um, but yeah, not cool, Danny. Not cool. Not cool to also not acknowledge and get back um, because I think we're all adults here. And you know, if if you are really so concerned about my uh, my well being, I think you would reach out to me as a friend if you considered me a friend rather than um, doing sort of sort of another side swipe um, in your Telegram group. So um, anyway, that's that's all I've got to tonight. But yeah, sigil time. If anybody has any any hot tips on that, I would appreciate it. Thanks, everybody.